Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you today? Did you have a beautiful Pentecost celebration yesterday? I certainly hope you did. And um, for some of us, uh, following the more traditional calendar, uh, this is a first-class octave. The entire week is Pentecost. Every single day, the work of God, that is the divine office, um, is the same all day it's uh, every day it is the sunday uh, office it's very 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 beautiful and um there's so many parts to the celebration of pentecost it it was for the jewish people it's the greek um word for shavuot shavuot um it is the feast of weeks um, and occurs 49 weeks and one day after Passover. And uh, it was the harvest time for the Jewish people, and they needed to be in Jerusalem for that feast. Uh, if you were a male over 20 years old, there are several times a year you needed to be in Jerusalem uh, for that celebration and for the uh, the wheat, the harvest of the wheat. And so there were over 3,000 uh, it packed into Jerusalem from all over um, the Mediterranean there, and they didn't all speak the same language, uh, but they were all Jews. And um, it is also um, the celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai uh, about 1,500 years before then. Um, and it, we used to celebrate growing up Simchas Torah, Torah the law, Simchas rejoicing, rejoicing over the law, um, the law given to Moses, to Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai was considered the birthday of Judaism. And so that too was part of the celebration in Jerusalem um, in the Feast of Shavuot uh, or Pentecost in Greek, the Jewish Feast of Pentecost was also um, rejoicing over the law, over the Torah that God gave to Israel. And um, um, and considered, as I say, the birthday of Judaism. And it was on the birthday of Judaism and the Feast of Shavuot. Shavuot is O-T, is plural for a Hebrew word, um, I am and other endings can be as well, but um, Shavuot is uh, weeks. Um, Shavua weeks, Shavuot weeks. It's the Feast of Weeks, 49 weeks after Passover and the festival of the first fruits, uh, the harvest. And so altogether thousands of Jews on Jerusalem and God poured out on all those Jews the Holy Spirit um, on the birthday of Judaism, which became the birthday of the church. Um, God told those Jewish people in Isaiah that they would be a light to the Gentiles. They should bring the news of the true God of Israel, uh, only one God to the whole world. And on the Feast of Pentecost, 
God poured out his spirit on those Jewish people so that uh, for the first time, they would then have the power. God said to them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts have the power to carry out their mission to be a light to the Gentiles. And the Messiah came through them, uh, the glory of Israel and revelation uh, to the Gentiles. And so that was the birth, the birth of the church. It's a, it's so glorious. And um, there are very, very few people who understand the full meaning of Pentecost and how utterly glorious it was and what happened on that um on that feast. There's an article uh, in Regina Magazine, um, uh, Whit Sunday is the day of Pentecost, and um, and Doctor uh, Father rather Francis Xavier Weninger, Father Francis Xavier Weninger um, wrote this in 1877, and I'm going to read it to you because the understanding of Pentecost. Um, in most churches today is is very weak and extremely limited um, and and people don't know what it is you know if if we say it was the birthday of Judaism they say no it's the birthday of the church it's the birthday of the church because it was the celebration of the birthday of Judaism and Christianity is a Jewish faith it is Judaism fulfilled in the Messiah spread to the four corners of the earth Let me read this. And the quote here is from um, Acts 2, verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And Acts chapter 1 says, And he, our Lord, he commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but should wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard, said he, by my mouth, the mouth of our Lord, that you may give testimony of of me. Without the Holy Spirit, they could not give, the disciples could not give testimony of Christ. They had come to believe he was the Messiah, but they weren't sure about his being God, beloved. There are Jews in Israel today who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but not divine. They don't believe a man can be God. And they're right. A man cannot be God, but God can become man. If he's God, there's nothing impossible for him. So by my mouth, that you may give testimony of me even to the uttermost bounds of the earth, end quote. Thus runs the admonition of the Lord before his ascension, Acts chapter 1. The apostles then, he, he, he ascended in Acts chapter 1, and the Holy Spirit was poured upon them in Acts chapter 2. Let me continue here. Hold on one moment. The apostles, therefore, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and many of his disciples, obeying the command of Christ, remained in Jerusalem, united in prayer, and behold, after ten days, the promise of Christ was fulfilled. Suddenly, there came, this is straight from the book of Acts, written by Luke, Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and the Holy Ghost came down upon them in the form of fiery tongues and sat upon every one of them. Then did this spirit of light replenish their souls with knowledge 
and power and love and enrich them with his sevenfold gifts, the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit, as Isaiah foretold. St. Paul says of himself that the same Lord who decreed that there should be light caused the light of knowledge in holy faith to irradiate his soul. And so it was with the disciples assembled in Jerusalem. Their understanding seemed darkened. They were faint-hearted and timid since the ascension of him who was at once their Lord, their Savior, and beloved friend. They remained secluded behind bolt and bar, not daring to appear in public. But lo, that fear suddenly vanished, for seven new and most precious gifts were bestowed upon them. With the unfaltering courage, they went forth to proclaim the truths of Christianity. Isn't it amazing? One moment they were cowering uh, in that upper room, and the next they burst out and went forth with the message of Christianity. And to preach Christ crucified to the same people who had been guilty of his death upon the cross. And the grace of God touched the hearts of that vast multitude as they listened with rapt attention to their inspired words. Thousands were converted on the spot. And the church celebrated her birthday on earth and extended her mission from that very day to the utmost limits of the globe. There can be no greater happiness on earth, beloved in Christ, than the privilege of belonging to the true church, the only one in which salvation is to be found. But mere external membership will not confer it upon us. We must become living temples of the Holy Ghost, letting our faith shine forth in our lives with a luster so brilliant that it will attract numberless souls to the fold of Christ. The seven gifts with which the Holy Ghost enriches all who worthily receive the sacrament of confirmation will produce this effect in our souls. Just a little aside here to say that I attended um, two Uh, confirmation celebrations this year in two different dioceses with two different bishops. And um, I don't even know if half those young people knew what it even was to be a Christian. Their dress was utterly immodest, some of them, not all, utterly immodest, shameful. Their attitude, their makeup, their... uh, it was a celebration that perhaps their parents wanted them to go through, and maybe they did for their friends, but did they know the faith? They did not. They did not. And so all that should happen to one who is confirmed, um, I would say it doesn't seem it, it happened to them, because it's not magic. It's the gift of God. And those who receive that sacrament need to worthily receive it in holiness and understanding um, and a personal desire. There's the music for our break, beloved. We'll be right back.
praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. This entire week is a first-class octave of the Feast of Pentecost, the birthday of the Church um, and the fulfillment of all that God promised to the nation of Israel that they would receive the Holy Spirit and the mission they were given to be a light to the Gentiles, to the nations of the world, would be fulfilled as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So they left the upper room where they huddled in fear for nine days, and they went out, and I'm reading an article from Father, um, let me see, Francis Xavier Weninger from 1877. Beautiful, beautiful article, and he says, with unfaltering courage they the disciples went forth to proclaim the truths of christianity which we sh- we need to do that beloved we can't huddle in our homes we can't be afraid of anything not people not covid not uh, discrimination nothing with unfaltering courage they went forth to proclaim the truths of christianity and to preach christ crucified to the same people who had been guilty of his death upon the cross who is guilty of christ's death the jews the romans i am that's who we all are did the Jew, did the romans put the nails in him yes did the jews yell crucify him yes 
Did anyone take his life? No. Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down by myself. He came to die. Are the Jews responsible? Yes. Are the Gentiles, the Romans responsible? Yes. God alone knows the degree of responsibility and accountability of each one. But it was he, the Savior, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who became flesh through the Virgin Mary and died on the cross for our sins, the sacrificial lamb. Pentecost occurred 49 days and one after um, uh, the Passover. And Pentecost occurs 49 days plus one after the uh, crucifixion of the true Passover lamb our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Thousands were converted on the spot that day of Pentecost, and the church celebrated her birthday on earth and extended her mission from that very day to the utmost limits of the globe. There can be no greater happiness on earth, beloved in Christ, I'm reading the article now, than the privilege of belonging to the true church, the only one in which salvation is to be found. But mere external membership will not confer it upon us. We must become living temples of the Holy Ghost, letting our faith shine forth in our lives with a luster so brilliant that it will attract numberless souls to the fold of Christ. The seven gifts with which the Holy Ghost enriches all who worthily receive the sacrament of confirmation will produce this effect in our souls. And if you were confirmed this past Easter or any time before then or subsequent to it, and your life didn't change and you don't even know Uh, that you were filled with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and the very life of the Holy Spirit, the very Trinity lives in you, then then you were not prepared for confirmation and you did not receive the gifts. You may have gone through the motions of confirmation. You may have gone through confirmation because your parents insisted on it. Sometimes I get calls from parents who say, my child is in confirmation class, he's 14 or whatever the age, and um, he doesn't want to go. And he doesn't want to be confirmed. What should I do? I said, let him go. Don't ever force anyone to go through confirmation and be confirmed if they don't want to. If they don't believe it, you're teaching them that Catholicism is a hypocritical uh, outward religion where people have to deny their conscience and lie to God to say, yes, I believe this when I don't. It's one of the worst things you could do to ever force a child to go through confirmation. And if you're a young person who doesn't believe and you just go through confirmation because you want to be with your friends and have a nice ceremony, and don't you do that. Don't you make a mockery of God. If you don't believe, you be truthful. God knows your heart. And never violate your heart. Never, ever violate your conscience. If you don't believe... Come to God in prayer and ask him for the gift of faith. Ask him to help you to believe, to show you. And you say to him, I don't believe. I don't know how to believe. And I don't even want to believe. So, Lord, if you're true and you're there and all this is true, 
if you don't give me the desire to even want to know or believe, how will I ever have it? I'm dead inside. I don't know and I don't believe. Be truthful with God, beloved. Never be forced into anything, anything against your conscience. Okay, let me continue with the article. We don't have too much time. And at the second break, uh, we'll take all your calls and your emails and your text, beloved. The toll-free number is one 511 5483 if you wish to call in ahead. Um, and again, we'll, we'll take your calls in the order they come in. And after the next break, I'll continue with this article. <clears throat> Let us consider today in what essentially consists each one of these, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and see in what manner they influence the uninterrupted duration of the kingdom of God in our souls. O Mary, obtain for us from the Holy Ghost the divine spouse. Beloved, the Holy Ghost is the spouse of the Blessed Virgin. He is the one who overshadowed her so that she conceived the very Son of God. O Mary, obtain for us from the Holy Ghost, thy divine spouse, the grace to retain in our hearts the influence of his sevenfold gifts. I speak in the most holy name of Jesus for the greater honor and glory of God. St. John says, Thus spoke Christ of the Holy Spirit, whom everyone that believes in him shall receive. The miracle which God vouchsafed to work on Pentecost Sunday, namely the descent of the Holy Ghost upon the apostles, was a peculiar grace conferred upon those companions of Jesus Christ, as was also the extraordinary gift of speaking in diverse tongues and penetrating with prophetic vision the mysteries of the future. Yes, my brethren, he writes, these were gifts of the Holy Ghost indeed, but reserved for the apostles alone, apart from those sevenfold gifts which that divine spirit confers upon all who worthily receive the sacrament of confirmation. So now, let me repeat that. These were gifts of the Holy Ghost indeed, listen, beloved, but reserved to the apostles alone, apart from those sevenfold gifts which that divine spirit confers upon all who worthily receive the sacrament of confirmation. Through this spirit of love, the apostles communicated them to all the faithful, to whom after their baptism they administered this sacrament as the acts of the apostles certify. What are the effects of this sacrament, beloved? It strengthens us in our determination to belong to the kingdom of Christ. And I'm going to read this, and if you will confirm this year or any other, and these are not the fruits in your, in your heart, in your own spirit, you need to question whether you truly believed whether you were really confirmed in the Spirit. What you received that day was true, but the effect of the Spirit and the grace um, will not be effective in your life apart from your faith and apart from sin. 
What are the effects of this sacrament? It strengthened us in our determination to belong to the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God, the holy church, to live as her children, to propagate the faith according to our strength and ability, and even should God require it of us, to sacrifice life itself rather than be false to its teachings. That we may be enabled to do all this, we must not only receive the sacrament of confirmation exteriorly, but the graces it confers must penetrate to the very depths of our hearts. Let us consider today in what the essence of each of these gifts consists, and we will arrive at a clearer understanding of the relation which each one of them bears toward the continuance and increase of the kingdom of God in our hearts. The first gift, in the order in which they are imparted to us, is fear of the Lord, which so disposes our hearts that we entertain no fear whatever except of God and the possibility of offending that divine being by sin. This gift implies a heart free from sin and filled with a true, sincere, and effective revolution. I'm sorry, resolution. A resolution to avoid the most trivial, venial sin and imperfection. What, when this gift, the gift of fear, fills our hearts, then indeed the kingdom of God is firmly established therein, and we are temples of the Holy Ghost. But alas, how many there are who receive not this heavenly gift in its plenitude, who waver and falter in the service of God, and who so far from being inspired by a holy fear or offending him, rather allow the fear of men or human respect to take entire control of their actions. Beloved, I have been um, in so many groups for so many years who claim they have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, who speak in tongues, who have seen or uh, say they perform miracles and all of that, filled with the power of God, but there's no fear of God in their heart. There's no fear of God in their heart. And if there's no fear of God, then there is very, very little faith, and the faith is uh, not only incomplete, but false. If we don't fear God... Our faith is um, laid on something, the true God, the God of our own making. If we don't properly fear God, not be afraid of God, although that's a good beginning. Not, there's nothing wrong with being afraid of God. Look at the people before Mount Sinai in Israel. When he appeared to them just in thunder on the mountain, they shook for fear. They wouldn't dare come near the mountain. If they touched it, they would die. It's that God that we receive in the Holy Eucharist, beloved. There's only one God, and it's the Son of God, Christ himself, that appeared on Mount Sinai. There's the music for our break, beloved. We'll continue the article tomorrow and take your calls when we come back. 
The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Come to the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and discover the prayer that will change your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours, the prayer of the Church. The Liturgy of the Hours is prayed each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. So whether you're an individual or a group, schedule your visit today. Go to liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. It's my favorite time. I love to receive your calls and your texts and your emails. We do our best to, to help you with answers or to give you references where you can get them. Um, our toll-free number, one 5483 or email at mother at com. We have a call from Gordon in Iowa. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Mother Miriam. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thank you for patiently waiting, you good soul. Well, uh, I just wanted to bring up the fact that it is of extreme, paramount, and unequaled importance that the enough Catholics perform the five first Saturdays devotion, which starts this June 5th. Uh, it could start... Uh, the five first Saturdays for many millions of of Catholics, if they only knew about it, and the church is not talking about it, uh, and I have yet to right. hear from the pope any any exhortation from anyone, any priest or deacon, to do the five first Saturdays. And as Mary said, that is the prerequisite for the consecration of Russia. When enough Catholics have performed the five first Saturdays devotion. 
Russia will be consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in union with all the Catholic bishops of the world at the same point in time in a solemn and worthy manner. It's crystal clear, but no one's speaking about the five first Saturdays devotion. Hardly anyone's teaching the faith anymore, Gordon. We have been robbed of it. The faith has been lost. It's all emotion and feeling, and now uh, horribly... um, so many have abandoned the faith. So many of our shepherds and the people are lost. The sheep are lost. They don't know. Gordon, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. And in fact, um, it's not simply a pious devotion. We were asked to do this by Our Lady. The five, if anyone wants the full understanding, just go to America Needs Fatima on the five first Saturday devotion. Um, It's one of the principal points of the Fatima message. It centers, I'm reading from that website, on the urgent need for mankind to offer reparation and expiate for the many injuries that the Immaculate Heart of Mary suffered, suffers from the hands of both impious and indifferent men. And, um, It is absolutely, we, Gordon, I'm with you. I don't know when I've heard a sermon from the pulpit that we should sacrifice and pray and um, for, to make reparation, expiate for the injuries of the heart of Mary. And um, I'll read what the devotion consists of. Yes, it's five consecutive months to go to confession to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, of course, that means you're free of mortal sin, saying the five decades of the rosary and meditating for 15 minutes on the mystery of the rosary. And all of this being offered in reparation for the sins of blasphemy and ingratitude committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Gordon, I don't, I don't know when I've ever heard that uh, in recent years, in any case, from a pulpit. And if you'll all go, and I, I would ask you to do this, and I think Gordon would beg you, go to americaneedsfatima.org. You'll get the history of it and why the first five Saturdays um, and the modifications um, that have been made to facilitate its observation. It's a shame any modifications need to be made and how necessary the devotion is today. Um, Gordon, you've you've sounded a bell. I wish it could be sounded through every single church. Thank you, Mother. Okay, God bless you, dear brother. And uh, use you, continue to use you to spread the truth of the Catholic faith and um, that indeed Russia may be consecrated. I'm with you all the way. Okay, God bless you. We're going to take an email from Mary. Mary says, Hi, Mother Miriam. Does the Bible ever specifically cover profanity? Uh, Before I read the rest of your email, yes, 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 yes. My goodness, yes. And if so, what books or verses explain it? What does the Bible say about this? I'm not referring to using the Lord's name in vain, which I know is clearly mentioned but rather up other types of profanity, of which I will not provide examples, but I'm sure you understand what I'm referring to. I am under the assumption that swearing would be um, deemed a venial sin, but I'm not sure. Um, 
it's very easy to, well, not necessarily, Mary. It depends upon uh, who you're swearing against. And every, every oath, which is what a person does when they swear, is to God. So you don't take that lightly. That's not a venial sin. Um, it is very easy to slip up and accidentally use these words out of frustration. So I'm interested in, in how that might affect someone from a moral standpoint. Thank you, Mary. Very seriously, Mary. Um, uh, again, if we swear, that's comparable to taking an oath. I know we say it carelessly, but we out of the heart the mouth speaks. We need to be very, very mindful, very mindful of it. Um, let me just um, hold on a minute now. Um, there, there are many, 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 many verses um, that speak of profanity in, in Scripture, Old Testament and New, many, many, many. Let me just give you this definition of profanity. Um, it says, uh, as a noun, it's blasphemous or obscene language. So to blaspheme is to blaspheme God. And so, yes, it's a mortal sin. Absolutely. Um, an outburst of profanities. Synonyms would be to take an oath. To, it's a swear word, expletive, curse, obscenity, four-letter word, it says, dirty word. Um, uh, oh, there's imprecation, blasphemy, swearing, foul language, bad language, cursing, cuss, um, let me just see, uh, but it's an oath. It's an oath. It's irreverent uh, or irreligious behavior. It goes on to give synonyms. Idolatry, sacrilege, irreligiousness, ungodliness, impiety, unholiness, profaneness, blasphemy, and irreverence. Certainly disrespect. So uh, don't say it's a venial sin. It is not. Because it is. A, no matter what we're doing, we are swearing an oath against God. That is what we're doing, Mary. It's very serious. So when you carelessly do it out of frustration, on the spot, go down on your knees on the spot and say, Lord, please forgive me. Down on your knees on the spot and say, Lord, forgive me. And when you go to confession, include that. It's very important. Our Lord said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you will go to a wonderful site. Um, uh, it's called the Bible Gateway. Bible Gateway. BibleGateway.com. One word. BibleGateway.com. And you, you'll bring up the site. And over on the top right are umpteen versions of Bibles. I have the New Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition. That's what I recommend you click on. Just uh, click on the uh, down feature on the right and just it's alphabetical order. Go to New Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition and you'll bring that up. And then on the left, you can put in any subject or word or Bible verse you want to look up. I just typed in the word profane and there are 82 times the Bible speaks of anything being profane. Uh, to profane the altar, uh, that, that I don't know how many are in the Old Testament, how many in the New, but 82 verses if you want to look them up, Mary, and you will see. 
82 verses. So it's not a light matter. And if you say that carelessly, um, then, or anybody, um, uh, you said, I'm under the assumption that swearing would be deemed a venial sin. It is not. But I'm not sure. It is very easy to slip up and accidentally use these words out of frustration. I'll tell you, um, it, it, of course it's easy for a heart that is not practiced in holiness. Um, you would not hear one of the saints that you could think of uh, speaking such language. It would not come out of their mouth out of frustration because what they speak would come out of their heart. And if their heart is filled with holiness and cleansed, it will only speak um, what it, it says, what it feels. So if you f- speak those words often out of frustration, uh, number one, know that swearing is serious. Um, but secondly, go on a program of discipleship. Get a spiritual director. Read the scriptures. Fill your heart with all that is holy in thought, in language, and your speech will then be holy. Read the entire Bible through. God says to the Jewish people in the Old Testament, the Hebrews, you shall be holy as I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And Peter, our first pope, um, said the same and repeated that, quoted it from the Old Testament in his letters. You shall be holy from God as I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Nothing unholy should come out of your mouth. Um. Let me just see. We have a text from Earl, and Earl says, hold on, Dear Mother Miriam, I love your show and have learned a lot from watching you. As a Catholic, I have been severely lacking, and I am currently working on correcting that through Bible study and your wonderful program. Blessed be God, Earl. Blessed be God. Let me just interrupt your your email to say wherever we are, don't ever get discouraged. Because if you do, that's not from God. It's from Satan. Not even from your flesh. It's the devil. It's the devil's tool. Don't get discouraged. The issue is not where we're at at the moment. The issue is where we're going. How we're striving toward holiness and love and faith in God. He says, as a Catholic, I now know full well that lying is a mortal sin. No way around it. But I do it anyway. And yes, I know there is no such thing as a white lie or, as I heard one person say, a gray lie. I'm well aware that if I do not stop, my soul is in peril. So I don't have any excuses. But I do have two aunts And one is constantly making the other one late for doctor's appointments. I once recommended leaving the sister behind as I could take her to the appointment. But there's a problem with this. She's severely disabled and needs her sister's help getting into the doctor's appointment. She is an old-fashioned lady who would be mortified to have a man accompany her in the exam room, which I did not realize the other sister was having to do. I just thought 
she had to accompany her into the office. Otherwise, I would never have embarrassed her by asking. Before watching your program, I used to tell them both that the appointment was a half hour earlier than it really was so that even if the other sister made us late, we'd still make it on time. Okay, um, I'm not done with your email, um, dear one, but um, there's the music for our break. So we'll continue with your email right after the break. And if anyone wishes to call in as well, toll free one 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart if you wish. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483. We are right in the uh, middle of an email from Earl who um, says that he's 
learning some things in his Catholic faith that he did not know before, and he now knows that lying is a mortal sin, no way around it. Um, Earl, it's not necessarily lying a mortal sin. It's always a sin, uh, and it's always grave. But to be mortal, one must know that lying is a grave sin. They must do it of their own free will, not coerced. And they must know that it will, to do it will separate, it, separate them from God. You did not know that. So it's just as grave, it has the graveness, the seriousness of a mortal sin. But if you did not know it was mortal, then it's not mortal. It's just as grave. You need to go to confession. But, um, but it will not separate your soul from God because mortal means death. It means that you have willfully separated yourself from God. And if you didn't know it would be a mortal sin, then you have not done that intentionally. Um, so uh, Earl's talking about the fact of uh, having two ants and um, one who takes the other is always late and makes the other late. And... Um, uh, Earl says, I once recommended leaving the sister behind as I could take her to the appointment. But there's a problem. She's severely disabled and needs her sister's help getting into the doctor's appointment. She's an old-fashioned lady who would be mortified to have a man accompany her into the exam room. To the exam room, well, that should be a, a new-fashioned woman who would be as mortified, which I did not realize um, the other sister was having to do. I just thought she had to accompany her into the office. Otherwise, I would never have embarrassed her by asking. Before watching your program, I used to tell them both that the appointment was a half hour earlier than it really was, so that even if the other sister made it late, we'd still make it on time. I never really thought much about it and certainly never confessed it. But from watching your program, I realized I have been committing a mortal sin by lying. You have not. Have you lied? You have. Have you been committing a mortal sin by lying? Absolutely not. Again, for the sin to be mortal to your soul, to separate you from God, you have to know it's mortal and you have to do it of your own free will um, and so forth. This is not the case with you. I want to separate myself from it. However, I know that if I start telling the truth about the appointment time, my one aunt will make the other one late. Her doctor has stated that if she misses another appointment, she will need to find another doctor. Should I just stop taking them so I'm out of the situation where I feel the need to lie and let them figure out how to get there on their own? The answer to that, dear Earl, is no. No. You don't need to lie. You do not need to lie. There are always other ways rather than lying. And your conscience would not um, sit well with you if you just got out of the picture and knew that your aunt would be out her doctor. Please help and advise me on what I can do to stop the lies. Simply don't. That's all. That's what you can do. Don't lie. When in doubt, don't. That's how to stop it. Do not. If you're at a loss for something else, keep quiet. Please help and advise me on what I can do to stop the lies and still get my aunt to her appointments. Now, I have a thought. Call the nurse and explain to the nurse, explain to the doctor the situation. It doesn't have to be the nurse, the doctor. 
and say that I cannot go in with her, understandably so, and the sister aunt who takes her um, is always late. She's always going to be late, and the doctor said he won't be her doctor. She's late one more time. Can we bring her to the office? Can I, me, Earl, bring her to the office um, and uh, have one of the nurses accompany her to the doctor and stay with her? If not, could you possibly make the appointment knowing that it's going to take them a half hour more to get there for whatever reason? If the appointment's at 10, can you make it for nine for them? And that way, they'll either be here early or on time. Could you do that for us? Otherwise, she's going to be out a doctor. And that's not lying. Let the, let the nurse make the appointment for nine. And when people make appointments, sometimes we have an 11 o'clock doctor's appointment, and the nurse says, come half hour early to fill out papers. The appointment's not till 11. There's no problem. In your aunt's case, she needs to come a half hour early um, to be there on time. So if the nurse says the appointment's at 9 and she doesn't get there till 9.30, she'll be late, but the doctor will still see her. So ask the office to help you, and, um, and there'll be no lie. They'll, so it is a medical issue, by the way. You're, the aunt that makes her late has a problem. And so uh, there's no lying here. Just a little, um, how do I say... Um, um, a little adjustment so that all things work out together. Um, Earl says, uh, I love God dearly and don't want to be separated from him for all eternity because of my penchant for lying. Don't ever lie again, Earl. Don't ever lie again. There's never a need to lie. There might be a need to lie. Um, Earl says, sorry, this is so long, but you need to know all the circumstances so that you can properly advise me. God bless your mother. There is, There are times to lie. The Hebrew women lied um, when, when Pharaoh's um, army came to kill the babies, um, to kill pregnant women and all of that. Um, and because they're, um, uh, what do you hand, not handmaids, um, birth moms or not birth moms what am i it was the handmaids it was the uh, i can't think of the word every woman in the world knows the word um who helped the the hebrew women bear their children and um the people got there and and they wanted to slay the children and and the hebrew women said the the um um, these maids, oh, I can't think of their name um said hebrew women are strong they gave birth without us no babies there to kill. So um, there are times to lie. It's not a white lie, it's a lie. But God honored those um, women. Oh, um, I have words on the tip of my tongue. God honored them for saving those children. He honored them, and all of history knows their story. So there are times to protect the life of someone that if I'm hiding someone, the Jew, the Nazis, you know, were coming and I was going to hide a Jew or somebody else, and they said, is anybody here? I'd say, no, I'm, all, I'm lying. Let God judge me for that. But um, those are times to save the life of people, to do justice, to do righteousness, that God accepts lying because that sort of lie is at the cost of, of people's lives, including the people who, who have the lie. So... Um, okay, Earl, Earl, dear one, be at peace. Call the office. Explain to the nurse and or the doctor uh, the situation and say, I need your help. 
Um, I, I don't want to continue lying. I can't bear it myself. Can you help me and make her appointments a half hour earlier? And that way, if she's late, she'll be on time. Can your office assist me in this? Um, um, and if not, um, maybe you could say to your aunt, um, they make a 9.30 appointment, um, they can say to your aunt, um, we need to strive to be there at 9. Don't say the appointment's at 9. We need to be there at 9. Um, so just say it, because that's true. You need to strive to be there at 9. So do what you can, Earl, without lying. It should not be on your conscience, dear one. Um, and again, you have not committed mortal sin. Not at all. And in fact, I don't even think God would hold this lie against you because you're doing it to make this aunt's life better to take her to the doctor. I don't even think you're sinning. So God bless you all, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.